Eagles may soar, but sloths don't get sucked into jet engines. This is Deserter. Welcome to another episode of the Deserter Pubcast. I'm Dirty South. And I'm Dulwich Raider. And more than anything, we just want to have a good time. And today we're on the trail of one of the greatest and most influential singer-songwriters of all time. Oh, yeah. The Bard of Broccoli, the Welling Warbler, the Eltham Elraiser. <laughs> not really, no. no. That's not quite how you describe Kate Bush. No, fair enough. Uh, we're going to be talking to Vic and Brian from her original band, the Katie Bush Band. Yes, amazingly. Uh, plus, we've got all the news you'll ever need in a section we call The News. News. Some bum dossers and a catch-up of some of the vital things we've been doing since last time. And also, news of a sponsor for the show. Yes. Uh, finally, the commercial manager has come good and we are pleased to welcome Go Out London on board as a sponsor. Yeah, uh, more on them later. But in short, Go Out London, it, it's an app that uh, finds mm-hmm. you venues to... Well, go out in mm. in London. Yeah, <laughs> clues in the name, really, isn't it? Mm. Uh, restaurants, clubs, and I noticed interestingly, pubs. Mm. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, could we? <laughs> Should we? Well, one of the great things about being a fully paid-up slacker is that you can do whatever you want, mm-hmm. and uh, what we want is a pint, even if it is only eleven a.m. Y- yeah, yeah, you probably didn't need to mention that. No, fair, fair enough. Um, so, uh, for the first uh, pub quiz of the episode mm. where are we heading first today right well we are going to a pub uh, at the bo- kind of at the bottom of a large hill in south london near an ancient wood oxley's mm. wood uh, near seven Drood castle the uh, the triangular folly and near the royal herbert what was the royal herbert hospital mm. um, which was a military hospital designed by florence nightingale mm-hmm. and the world's first Hospital for Herberts. Mm, Royal Herberts, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, um, we shall see you in there. The sun is just coming out. Yeah. And you just know that something good is going to happen. Oh, he's on fire. (laughs) What have we got there? Uh, Harvey's Town, Harvey's Tune. Mm. I think that's Scottish. Bitter Bitter and... Bitter and twisted. Bitter and twisted, that was it. Not bad. Um, Okay. Where are we? Where are we? We are at the Red Lion on Shooter's Hill. Right. Um, Did you guess that at home? If you did, one point. Yes, one pint. (laughs) Have a pint, as we are. Um, Before we get into uh, all things Kate, what have you been up to lately? Well, uh, sadly, I've been to a South London funeral uh, in Hither Green uh, to say farewell to my friend and smoking associate um, Rooster Cosby um, some people may know Rooster as uh, Julian Cope's drummer in the 90s he played oh. on several of his albums and did tours um, Julian Cope described him as the most egoless player in rock and roll egoless 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 is, <laughs> yes right. yes it's an odd word isn't it is it a word <laughs> <laughs> whatever St Julian says the, yeah that's what Julian said um Yes, one of the most eagerless players in rock and roll, and the be- one of the best. Mm. Um, there were some interesting characters at the funeral, as you'd expect mm. at a sort of rock and roll funeral. I met a guy called, that I was introduced to as Captain, mm. and, and I thought instinctively, this is not a military man. Um, 
probably because of his eyeliner and neck tattoo. <laughs> um, and I asked about him. Someone said, yeah, no, that's, that's Captain Scarlet. And um, I said, is he indestructible? Mm. And they said, uh, yeah, pretty much. He's on his third liver. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's very unusual to hear Julian Cope played at a funeral, I have to say. Mm. Um, uh, there's a lovely eulogy read out by the lady at the uh, crematorium, rather than the family member. Um, but she did get an unintended snigger, particularly from me, uh, when she was talking about his latter years, when he, his, he was given a rescued dog, Annie he used to take out every day, and she, she said, yes, every day he would go dogging. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me wonder a little about how we how we uh, do dog how we are remembered you know yes um, yes and i ran into somebody uh, the ne- very next day who I'd, I'd worked with 20 years ago and it was one of those oh a big hug and i remember you yeah and she and i worked with her at the lcp at the elephant mm. and she said yeah we worked together at that college didn't we uh, yeah uh, at chelsea uh, no no not chelsea no the elephant castles oh that was it yeah yeah it's brian isn't it <laughs> Uh, uh, no, Vince, Vince. That's it. Of course, I remember now. Vince, how could I forget? Of course. Uh, yeah, you're the Crystal Palace supporter, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. How will we be remembered? Yes. I'm going to be remembered as a West London Crystal Palace supporter called Brian. Yes. So, are you saying you don't want me to mention the dogging at your funeral? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you... If, yeah. Do me a favour. Leave the dogging. <laughs> Um, um, you also went um, up to Yorkshire again. I you did. can't get enough of it, can you? I know. Well, we had such a nice time up there. Uh, you may recall we um, we did an article for Ruler magazine on the World Cycling Championships, and I went went to take advantage of our research. Yes. Uh, with um, Lady South and our, our little boy, um, and uh, yeah, watch the watch the uh, the worlds go by from various bars, mm, um, as recommended by you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, uh, really, isn't it? Yeah, and in particular, I went to the Corner House quite a lot, um, it was, it, which was uh, the Belgian bar, which is a great spot for it because they go past several times. Yeah. Uh, but the lovely thing about it for me was that we could cheer on the cream of world cycling, mm. and then we, because of the time lag, we could nip back into the bar with a, with a pint of Zot and watch ourselves on live TV, <laughs> cheering. It's like science fiction. That's very good. That is good. That's cracking. How about you? That's the future. Yeah. Um, Well, I uh, have noticed uh, last weekend a glut of Oktoberfests. Yeah, well, yeah. They come to England. um, In September. It was all at the end of September, strangely enough. Mm. Um, Gypsy Hill Brewery Tap Room had one um, with an oompa. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's one in Penge, um, yeah. but I think Herne Hill may have had the edge due to being held in the grounds of a German bilingual school. Oh right, the Judith Kerr, yeah. um, uh, and as, as well as uh, amazing beers and pretzels and verse, it had actual Germans. Mm. So it gave it a sort of uh, yeah. an authentic air. Yes. And I was there with some uh, muckers. Um, we were sampling some great beers from local breweries, including a new one on me from Brewery, where they've spelled where the second where the first e is a three. Brewery with a with a I three. See. Yeah. Okay. See, it's very Freary. hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> but they're from Beckenham. Oh. And that Beckenham's postcode, of course, is BR3. BR3. So oh, that's what they've been, they've been too clever for me there. Mm. Anyway, their Indian, India Pale Ale was an absolute winner. Mm. 
5.7% incredibly intense and bold and earthy reminded me of Deserter IPA, oh. which was, of course, brilliant. And so I had a few of those and uh, came around smiling at some point on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, it's just a shame, isn't it, that uh, Oktoberfest, of course, will be verboten from uh, the end of the month due to Brexit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to have them just to remind us of the good old days exactly. when we were all friends. Exactly. Um, I also, uh, not unrelated to uh, <coughs> drinking beer, perhaps, had an occasion to visit the dentist. Oh, that's always uh, fun. Yes. I don't know about you, but I only go when I need to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a hobby or anything. No. Um, so I was sitting there getting told off for not flossing, not coming enough, etc. Mm. when he started asking me about my drinking habits. Oh, yes. Yeah, have you had this? I have had yeah. that, yeah. It's, I think it's new guidelines or something. Is they it, start yeah. asking how many units you have, yeah. and, uh, uh, reminding me of government guidelines and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. I, I was thinking there, I was just sitting thinking to myself, I'm in the dentist. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the confessional. I know I they mean, asked me, and they asked me, they, they said how many, and I, I, I sort of, um, I said, well, I said 40, you know, it's, yeah. it's not true, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's more true than I, nor- more truthful than I normally am yes. with, a, with a medical professional. Well, of course, I'd just been to freaking Oktoberfest, so... Oh, jeez! Yeah. Put it this way, I was well into double figures <laughs> <laughs> for my week. Anyway, yeah, I mean, this is new guidelines for dentists that ask you about your drinking habits now. Mm. Who's next? Your tailor? Yeah. Your landlord? Mm. You imagine being given a pint and then he says, well, that's four of your 14 units this week. Yeah, it's going to be some... Watch out for yourself. Um, yeah. Not bloody rationing. Anyway, all I'm saying is never go to the dentist. Mm. <laughs> Good sound advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, right. Let's get on to Kate, shall we? Let's get on to the mm. trail of Kate Bush, uh, the queen of art rock, the princess of prog pop. How where we'll be asking ourselves, perhaps, did a girl from southeast London grow up to conquer the music world and become one of the most loved and influential stars in modern music? Where did she live? Where did she play? And crucially, are there any pubs along the way? (laughs) Out on the wily, windy moors, Somewhere near Welling. Here we are at um, East Wickham Farm, uh, Kate's family home. It's a bit overgrown now. There's lots of trees around the front. Um, at one point, they had to put some sort of cage around it when she was at high of her fame and the family was still living there. Yeah. Now it's uh, got a lot of foliage. You can just see through the trees there the uh, tiled roof and the chimney, snack, chimney stack. Yeah. It's still the- in the family, isn't it? It's still in the family, yeah. Owen uh, Bush, uh, Kate's nephew, right. runs a, uh, a forge there. And um, this, and there's the outbuildings and through the driveway. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it, that the, is that the barn that um, that could very well be the they barn were, that they rehearsed, uh, they rehearsed in, which we'll hear about later on, won't we? Uh, but this is essentially where our story starts, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, Catherine Bush was born in uh, Bexley Heath Maternity Hospital on the 30th of July 1958 and uh, had a very, by all accounts, happy childhood here at East Wickham Farm. Um, where she lived with her brothers and, and a musical childhood as well. Her, her father yeah. was a doctor, but he also played uh, piano and composed songs and her brothers were musical too. I mean, they recognised immediately that she was she had something didn't they and they really encouraged her and backed her absolutely yeah I think um, well there's that lovely story isn't there of uh, 
that we read about from Carol Bouzian, a local resident, who said um, she wrote somewhere on the internet. Uh, <laughs> my friend Kim from next door and I used to go to Christmas caroling. She lived around here. We used to go Christmas caroling. We were always trying to make money with milk rounds and paper rounds. And one year we knocked on Dr. Bush's house in Wickham Street and was invited in. <laughs> Dr. Bush's daughter, who I think was about five then, sang for us and we were treated <laughs> to an audience with Kate Bush. Wow. Age five, so yeah, <laughs> they were always encouraging. Uh, and this is um, what is known, what everyone seems to call it, the farm, don't they? And uh, it's a 400-year-old building. It's in the heart of Welling, uh, now surrounded by flats and, and suburban houses uh, of the 30s and 40s and a little bit later. Um, but of course, uh, once would have been open space and the house still... Yeah, it has an open vantage point across East Wickham open space and over to Plumstead Cemetery, so it's yeah. quite a salubrious spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She wasn't a working class artist. She wasn't, no. No, that's fair. And she went to uh, St Joseph's Convent Grammar School? Yes, that's right. It was almost in the same school as you, wasn't she? <laughs> they did move to the school I went to the year after I left, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I narrowly missed out on girls and possibly <laughs> marrying Kate Bush. <laughs> um, but the, uh, their, their school motto, as I recall, was death before dishonour. Oh. And um, I can confirm that um, yeah, many of the girls there did indeed retain their honour despite my best efforts. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you dirty old bastard, but you dirty young bastard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was here on the farm that Kate's uh, musical talent blossomed uh, from an early age. When did you start writing songs? I must have been 11 or 12. I mean, but that was a, a very unprofessional sort of uh, situation. Was um, it in secret or, or for family and friends to hear? Oh, always in secret. I could never do it in front of people I've never been able to she really put her hours in didn't she she was on the on the Joanna every all the time she was by the time she was 13 she'd written and home recorded more than 50 songs mm. and um, I mean, she's just born for it wasn't she yeah and a friend a friend of her brothers uh, Ricky Hopper took a demo of her songs around various record companies who passed at the time but he knew David Gilmore from Pink Floyd who liked it and after meeting her and her family uh, put her in the studio to record three songs properly from the 50. And that was when Kate was 16. Yeah, at 16, she's recording a demo with, with David Gilmore in Air Studios, which was one of the best of the time. Musicians, we played with Lou Reed and... I mean, you've got to hand it to, to Dave Gilmore, haven't you? I mean, this is someone who's just made uh, one of the greatest albums of all time and was working on Wish You Were Here. And he still had time to listen to a tape by... A, 15-year-old girl from Welling and yeah. put her in the studio. Uh, yeah. Good effort. Um, and she received an advance from EMI uh, when they liked the demos uh, of £3,000, mm. which is quite substantial, uh, which she went on to spunk on mime and interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can see you uh, doing that, a bit of mime, <laughs> in, your, in your Charlton leotard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you got me wrong there, mate. <laughs> Call me Brian. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Kate quit school, and why wouldn't you? Got mm. three grand in your pocket, which is probably worth about 60 grand today. Yeah, she kept it quite on the down low at school, so I don't think people knew 
no. she was what, what, you know, a great songwriter already. And uh, She did a lot of it in secret, didn't she? Yeah. Um, but uh, at this point, uh, having, having quit the school, um, she started practicing with the KT Bush Band. Right. EMI wanted her to get a bit of live experience, yeah. and um, they got uh, they asked her to uh, have some, get some live experience. And uh, she met with Vic and Brian from the K. Well, what, what would become the KT Bush Band? They had their first rehearsals at the Greenwich Swimming Baths Boiler Room. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then here in the barn at the farm and that yeah. could be it there right that we're looking at there yeah, um, and the band included Vic King and the guitarist Brian Bath who was friends with her brother Paddy and uh, Brian of course will go on to contribute to several of her albums and biggest hits including Babushka Wow and Cloudbusting yeah that's him on the end of Cloudbusting isn't it it's him going, yay, yay, yay. Copyright. Yeah. Oh, I better stop because they'll, they'll get me for publishing. <laughs> yay, 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 yay. Yeah, yeah. the next day, and um, I think we had another rehearsal down there. And she said, oh, do you mind if you, if you come over to my parents' house? They've got this a barn. Welling. They've yeah. got the welling. They've What's got a barn. Winter, though? It's yeah, cold, it was it? cold. It was cold. They've got a barn in the garden. Yeah. Mm. So we might have to do something yeah. with it. So we went over there mm. and it hadn't been used for years. <laughs> and it was a fireplace. Oh, we could build a fire. Mm-hmm. And the door, we mended things, cleaned the windows, swept everything up off the floor, but it was yeah. all dusty and whatnot. And we took all the equipment out of there and we set up. And right. Mum used to come in with tea and cakes. <laughs> and Dad used to come in with his pipe. <laughs> all right, lads. <laughs> come into the kitchen if you want to get warm. But how soon after this was it that she introduced one or two of her songs? Well, we started learning classic soul and rock and yeah. pop we covers. Yeah, doing some of mine. And then, and then she said, I've got this song when we were in the house. She said, just playing this little rhythm on, on the keyboards. So can you can you make something up with this? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like to me it was a cowboy. Oh yeah. All right. You can hear. Yeah. So I just went, which is normal, and I was in Fleetwood Mac and Mick Fleetwood drum. And then Brian came out with the chords from the guitar, and Dell came up with his Andy Fraser type bass riff. Yeah, yeah. And then James and the Cold Gun suddenly oh, right. happens, yes. which is one of the room. earlier songs. Yeah. yeah, and that was on the kick inside, of course. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. other songs yeah, followed, down. like Heavy Heavy People. Yeah. We'll hear more from those guys later, uh, Vic and Brian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she at this point was about to hit the big time. Um, yeah. But before we get to that, we're going to hop forward a few years and head to nearby Eltham. Yeah, where she lived kind of after she'd made the big time. Well, here we are now uh, on Court Road in Eltham at the Mottingham End, uh, right near Eltham Palace, one of uh, Henry VIII's gaffs. Uh, we are at Wuthering Heights. Yes, uh, we can look at some quite impressive wrought iron lettering across the gate, um, which says Wuthering Heights. Um, actually, the lettering was added by the subsequent owner. Yes, Kate didn't do that. Did no, she, she didn't. No. Um, but I did discover that uh, Wuthering Heights was actually on the title deeds. Oh. So she did do that, did which do is that, quite eh? cute, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is. Uh, she moved here in 1985 after five albums and numerous hits, and um, lived here until 2003. Um, 
quite a pile. It's isn't quite it? a big pile. The money was quite obviously rolling in at this point. I mean, I don't know how many bedrooms it's got. Uh, it was up for sale a little while ago, wasn't it? I think yeah. there's something on the internet. Maybe we'll link to it on the site. But um, that is quite a big house. But I mean, if you're gonna, if you want to do some shrieking, this would be a good house to to do it in, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean we know she was barred from numerous pubs for shrieking. Um, <laughs> Uh, talking of which, have we done enough for another pint now? Oh, I fucking hope so. I think it's what Kate would want. Do you? <laughs> um, so we're heading off to um, to Blackheath, aren't we? Uh, maybe it's time for another pub quiz. Yes. Okay. Next, uh, we're going to a pub on the heath uh, near a uh, pond. Yeah, this is Blackheath, of course. Blackheath, and uh, it was, uh, I think, one of the original homes of the oldest rugby club in the world. Blackheath, Blackheath rugby, rugby club. club, yeah, or club for short. Yeah. And um, didn't you say earlier that it was uh, for a while known locally as the Lady Die? Yes, I did hear people call it the Lady Die. Yeah. Back in the Which day. Which pub are we talking about? Have a pint of Swift and a pint of Landlord, please, Simon. It's not Simon, it's Aiden. Aiden, yeah, that's Aiden, right. That's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. We knew that. Thank you very much. Okay, so here we are in a rather delightful garden of the Princess of Wales in Blackheath. Did you guess that at home? If so, award yourself one pint. <laughs> Um, okay, before we get on uh, to Kate Part 2, we're just going to do a little bit of the news. The news. The news. The news. 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 What you got on the pub and beer world? Well, um, I went to Catford recently to drop off some, some of our books um, at uh, Catford Cornucopia in Catford Mews, which is a, a, a a revelation to me in that uh, ropey old precinct. Mm. Um, it's got a lovely cinema and, crucially, a bar. Excellent work, Catford. Um, After the um, Catford Constitutional debacle. Yeah, it's nice now to, that's closed. Uh, it's good to have some good news there. Yeah. It's a very nice place to um, go spend an afternoon. Excellent. In worse news, um, <laughs> I heard the Duke of Edinburgh in Brixton is uh, having trouble uh, renewing its licence. Really? Due to complaints, you know, that it's got that massive, massive garden. garden. Mm, yeah. Complaints about the massive garden? It complaints about the massive garden. Is it new? No, of course it's not. The people are new. The people complaining about it. Honestly, people. Um, Get rid of the people. Yeah, so uh, that that's uh, frustrating. I mean, mm. they're, they're campaigning to actually have the garden closed and uh, or, or much made much smaller. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, once again, noobs move in, complain about their local pub and uh, get it shut down. Very annoying. Yeah, well, I hope that doesn't come to pass. Um, did you read about Camberwell Shark? I know they've been struggling to find premises, haven't they? Yeah, because uh, they were going to open in Camberwell, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and uh, didn't get around to it, or weren't able to because yeah. of the... Uh, the building. Know, the, the building was with the building. Leaks, leaks and so on, yeah. They're going to do a takeover at the Copper Tap in Peckham. That's right, On yes. November 16th and 17th, yeah. so get a flavour of what the Camberwell Shark might be like. Yeah, definitely pop in there on one of those days, if not both. Yeah. November the 16th, 17th. That's right. Copper Tap, Peckham. See yeah. you there. 
Uh, Broccoli Brewery is here uh, kind of expanding their premises. They're, they're taking over a place uh, in on an industrial estate in Hither Green Lee that way and they're going to open a tap room there next oh, year. Uh, which is going to make trips to Screwfix much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and God knows we need them to be more interesting. Yeah. Um, what's, what's this item? Peckham Audio. Yeah, so it's a, a sort of live music and club nights uh, on Rye Lane that is uh, being done by the people who run Four Quarters, ah. ben, uh, Bermondsey Social Club and the Moth Club, all of which are great venues, so I can only expect good things from them, and that's opening late October. That's a club, is it? Uh, a club, wonderful. but with live music here yeah. as well, yeah. Perhaps another outing for the uh, Charlton FC leotard? <laughs> <laughs> and some interpretive mime? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, right, you know that feeling you get, Vinny, when you, you, you drink eight pints, yeah? Mm. Then you get home and you finish the wine that's in the fridge mm, and then you happens. have to go to work the next day. You know how you feel? Yeah, bad. That is not a hangover. No? It's an illness. Is that right? Yeah, you're ill. Oh. <laughs> this is um, the news that a German court has ruled that hangovers are officially an illness. That's very go-ahead. Isn't it? Mm. Uh, possibly no coincidence that the ruling comes during Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yet another reason why we should perhaps be staying with our European brethren and Indeed. sisters. Indeed, absolutely, yes. I, I did see something in that article saying temporary disruptions to the normal state or normal activity of the body, including tiredness, nausea and headaches. Yeah. That sounds Ill. like an illness, doesn't I'm it? I'm ill, yeah. 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 I'm so while we're alone. still in Europe, we should... Um, you can ring your boss... Tell yeah. him you're, you're hungover and you're being treated in the pub. Are we still doing that thing where if you give us 20 quid, we'll ring your boss? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Just drop us an email. Yeah. We could do with some money, actually. <laughs> oh, talking of which, mm. um, regular listeners uh, will know that we've had various doomed attempts at sponsorships. Mm. Um, yeah, like by the likes of uh, Windows 10 <laughs> yeah. or uh, Harry's Razors. Yeah. Despite the fact that we're unshaven, work shy, lazy asses. Mm. Um, but as we uh, mentioned at the head of the show, we've only gone and got ourselves a sponsor. It is Go Out London, uh, an app produced in partnership with the taxi service London Carriages. Mm. And as we mentioned briefly, it's an app that allows you to find pubs and restaurants in your area. Perhaps ones that are doing special offers, uh, which would appeal to you as a tight ass, or highly. <laughs> or a highly and that's me, of course. I know that. I know. <laughs> yeah, um, the irony. Or are highly recommended, perhaps by users, uh, whichever way you choose to cut it. And you can download it now and see what you think. Um, go out London. Uh, one thing I'd like to see on there, Vinny, which I know uh, I've mentioned to you before, is uh, where can you go dancing in the afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I frequently find myself wanting to go dancing at around four o'clock, uh, especially after a long lunch. And... Um, there's nowhere offering it. No, no. There's plenty of karaoke on there. 24 hour city, my arse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, anyway, what I'm saying is if you're a venue and you do offer a dance in the afternoon, I implore you to get yourself on this app, Go Out London. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, search your app store for Go Out London or visit gooutlondon.org and we'll be telling you a bit more about what it does in succeeding episodes. Yeah. Um, a sad note, another sad note, uh, another... Try and keep it up, yeah? I know, I mean, it's been a bad month for Ginger South London drummers after we mentioned uh, Rooster Cosby 
Oh yeah. Is that how he got his nickname? Yes. Brewster. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The shock of red hair. Yeah. You're right. Um, but also, you may have heard Ginger Baker passed yes. away. Yeah. Um, he was an Elton boy, wasn't he? Uh, he was born in Lewisham, and yeah, yeah oh, he yeah. Uh, and he went to school on Shooters Hill, where we were earlier. Yeah. Shooters Hill Grammar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all fitting together very nicely this episode, isn't it? It is. Th- <laughs> thanks for pegging out uh, on us, Ginger. How did he get his name? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you see the documentary Beware of Mr Baker? I did. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't what it? What a grumpy old. Yeah, really, yeah, really irascible old scroat, wasn't he? Yeah. And of course, the the, uh, the title "Beware of Mr. Baker" comes from the sign on his his driveway, where yes. most, most people say "Beware of the dog." Yes, that's right. Um, but yes, he was once voted the least m- likely to survive the sixties. Really, <laughs> he's done very well. Though. He's done very well, yeah, and is credited with giving birth to heavy metal. Uh, he, oh, did, he, denied he denied it. He denied it. He said it was certainly cream were quite heavy. Had their moments, didn't they? But and he's a jazz drummer, essentially. Well, he was. Yeah, I mean, he he he, uh, he did. He didn't invent the drum solo, but he certainly brought it from jazz to rock. Well, uh, this is. I didn't want to speak ill of the dead, but he did introduce the world to the fucking rock drum solo. Yeah, for which for I that, can never forgive. No, him. I don't think we either of us can, can we? Yeah. Let's uh, move away from the drum solo, perhaps, and uh, get back to Kate. Okay. Our Kate. Our Kate, yes. Um, who took piano lessons very near here. She did indeed, yes. So, we're just on our way round to the Blackheath Conservatoire of Music. Indeed. We've dumped the car. Yeah. Now we can get paralytic. <laughs> in a responsible sort of way. Not at the conservatoire, though. <laughs> no, uh, probably doesn't have a bar, does it? Well, it's worth they asking. Do serve, they do serve a beer in the cafe at the back. Excellent. Um, and uh, this is where Kate had piano lessons. Yeah, for many years. Five many years. years. Five, six, six years. I think. 1970 to 76. And they're very proud of her being their alumni. And why not? They've got a... A uh, plaque on the wall, apparently, which we're going yeah. to try and find. Mm. And uh, oh my, oh, outside they've got a what I can only imagine is Kate Bush's piano. <laughs> I think that's disgusting. They've let it become covered in grass like that. Well, that's what happens when you don't gig for 35 <laughs> years. <laughs> oh, and here we are. Hi, the conservatoire. Hey, hey. Hello. Hey, you're not Chris, are you? I am, yes. Oh, Hi, Chris. Vince. Hi, nice to meet you, Vince. You, they're all kind of bookmarked. Oh, magic. Oh, pop in thank you, room. that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Lovely, thanks. Much appreciated. So, uh, this good little uh, plaque here is a picture of Kate. Yeah, no worries. Cover of King of the Mountain. A uh, picture of Kate, and yes, a little photocopy of her. Enrolment for piano lessons. In the autumn term of 1970. 1974. And 1974. And we've seen one from 1976, haven't we? And we've got one here from 72. These are like uh, sort of sacred documents. There she is. Bush, Catherine. Quite pricey. So we can confirm that she paid for her lessons. Yeah. 
nothing happened. <laughs> 74, <laughs> nothing happened. There she is, £12 again. Kate did play violin as well. Right. She may have, um, well, may well have practiced violin here. She said it was very useful for her grounding in musical theory. Is that right? Because you studied in this at very oh. conservatory. Oh, well, I didn't thought you never mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Uh, I uh, had, um, I think, two, possibly three lessons on the ukulele here. Excellent. Uh, and now uh, on my CV, it says very clearly, studied at the Blackheath Conservatoire of Music. So we're heading down towards Lee High Road now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, um, uh, I guess it's a, a third pub quiz in a way, isn't it? Because um, this is where Kate and her band, as we're here, played their first ever gig. Yeah. Her first ever live appearance. 1977. 1977. And it used to be called the Rose of Lee. Yeah. If you know its name currently, then award yourself your third pint of the day. Indeed. First time you sang in public, do you remember that? Yeah, that was about two years ago in a pub in Lewisham. <laughs> and I was so scared, I really was. But um, once you're up there, it's different, you know, you just forget all about it because they're there to see you and you have to give it to them. Was it a good reception? Yes, it was. I mean, considering it was a pub and we were totally unknown, they were very good, very respectful. It was good, yeah. Right, not far now. Thank God for that. My feet are killing me. Well, what's the price? Where the fuck are your shoes? Uh, I took my shoes off back at the Princess Wales <laughs> and threw them in the lake. Is <laughs> <laughs> what Kate would have wanted. <laughs> Can Ooh, you black. smell that Ooh, skunk? That smells nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think that van's full of it? I hope so. Anyway, here we are at the, uh, the next pub. The next pub. Which you may have guessed is... Dirty South. Dirty South. Yes, you should have guessed that because, of course, it's Vinnie's nom de plume. Yeah. And um, here is where Kate played her first gig. With the KT Bush Band. With the KT Bush Band. And we're going to meet two of those guys now. Yeah. Right, well, here we are, not only in the uh, Rose of Lee pub now, but on the actual stage. On the actual stage, I feel like a star. <laughs> you look, do look pretty. <laughs> um, where Kate and the uh, Katie Bush Band um, played on this very stage we're standing on now. Yeah. Uh, so we're back to 1977. Kate's practicing with the Katie Bush Band, and it culminates in their first gig here in the Rose of Lee or now known as the Dirty South yeah and we caught up with the original members Brian Bath and Vic King of the KT Bush Band 
in this very pub. Mm. These gigs here in particular yes. were quite successful yes. quite quickly. I believe you, you promised that you'd get to like 20, 20 in the first day. people in the first night. Yeah. yeah. And a week later maybe. Friends, yeah. you know, family yeah, turned up. Yeah. Then yeah. it doubled and then it trebled and then the last gig you couldn't move. Wow. So, it so you're playing every week here as a like residency? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it, it must have been quite a show to grow that exponentially uh, in terms yeah. of its audience. Were you aware that there's something magic going oh, on? Uh, it was a bit of a buzz, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it was that time when Kate started introducing the dramatic side of singing rather than just holding a mic. Yeah. Right, yeah. even yeah. then. Yeah, she had the dance pose because I used to take her up to Covent Garden to go to Lindsay Kemp's school of yeah, that's right. dancing and then she's yeah. come out with a leotard and towel and ring yeah. and all that. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah, been all there. <laughs> <laughs> so when she started introducing the dancing, it was a mm. whole different mm. uh, scene yeah, on yeah. stage for us. They were the days when you could use a rifle on stage. Yes. <laughs> I heard about that. She'd chase <laughs> people around yeah, during with uh, yeah. well. a holster and the dry ice. It sounds like she developed some confidence quite quickly then. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of times when she was uh, stage for yeah. one yeah. was here. Yeah. Yeah. Gently, I'd be fine, Kate. Be fine. Yeah. Oh, no. How did you guys get to meet her? Oh, version one or version two? Brian's story <laughs> and then Vic's story. That sounds right. good. Okay. <laughs> my story, my story. Um, well, I'd met Kate many years before because I met Kate, Paddy, her brother, at a party in Mays Hill. And um, he was standing on the stairs with a mandolin, and I just happened to have a guitar with me, so we started jamming, and, and I went back to the farm, his place. This must have been 1969, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to jam all night, and we made it a, a regular thing of it. And I uh, met Kate there. Is that what you asked me? Yeah, uh, yeah. How, yeah. You, how you got to, how you, to met how you met her? Yeah. So you, you, oh, yeah. you met her in the family home. Carry a in the family home, yeah. And yeah, uh, Paddy always had a man always. Did yeah. he? Always, yeah. So what was Vic's uh, story of how you, how you met them? Well, I first met Kate at the Whitechapel Art Gallery. Oh, Here yeah, we go. <laughs> Brian was there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did notice this young lady staring at us. And then when we came off stage... She's only human. Yes. Um, came off stage and just, oh, that was fantastic. That was, wow, that was... I really want to be in a band. How do I do it? Right. Said, well, you have to learn songs, mm -hmm. and be able to sing. Um, well, how do I start? And I said, well, if you can learn half a dozen, ten songs, um, and if you want, give us a ring, and we'll set a rehearsal up. Easy as that. Easy as that. So What's she kind of knew you, not you know, knew the band. Knew Brian. Yeah. yeah. And because we were there, because it was a Whitechapel Art Gallery, and there was, it was, was a end of term. Paddy was at the MIT yeah. Musical Instrument Technology doing a course, and he was mm. building uh, medieval type instruments, mm. you know, digambas and uh, strange uh, hurdy gurdies and things like. That. He was right. trying to. He was going down that route. So we all turned up at Whitechapel Art Gallery, and we did the dueling. Basses, like Julian Banjo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was standing on one side going, da 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 and Barry was going, da 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 Then, from the wings, and then, you know, and then Kate yeah. popped out with a trumpet thing on her head. Didn't she? <laughs> she was in a woolen, yeah. woolly suit with a, a big trumpet. It was like something out of 
you know, um, Yellow Submarine. Okay. Right. Yeah, those, yeah. And these two, uh, two I sort of imagine her being born to a mist of dry ice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then this great big yeah. double basses came out on stage and were dancing. And Andrew and uh, yeah. Paddy were inside them, weren't yes. they? Yeah. So they came human double basses dancing on Foam stage giant to the music. Wow. So she was on the lookout for a band, and that, is that because she'd already had some interest at this point from BMI? So. She'd yes. been songwriting she to get uh, musical experience performing with a band. Gotcha. It was kind of like a stepping stone yeah. towards whatever yeah. would happen in the future. So you, so guys, started, long, sorry, sorry, you guys started rehearsing together with... Um, I didn't think she'd be um, capable of learning the lyrics. That was my um, thing. I I mean, because one of the songs we were going to do was uh, Come Together, The Beatles. Yeah. And I thought, I can't think of anybody I know that could possibly learn those lyrics. And she did. Mm. She learned them within... Yeah, because when I spoke to her, I said, if you can learn half a dozen songs of of Beatles and Mm. Stones or whatever, some soul like Sally, got big yeah. Give us a ring. Yeah. And uh, the very <laughs> next day, I was I was making a cup of tea, and the phone rang, and it just so happened. It was about, about that I, big. The phone. I was staring the tea. I was staring the tea and the phone rang, and I said, "Oh, because it's Zach Spoon." It's a Zach Spoon. Preston. Preston. And I was. I've always kept it, and I said, "Okay, okay." She's like, "I've got songs. When can we get together?" And I said, oh, that's quick. Um, <laughs> right, I'll find out. Um, rehearsal studios. Mm, Greenwich Swimming Bars have got availability this Thursday or something. Mm-hmm. Seven to nine or something. Can we go? To, I'll meet you down there. So we trundled down there. It's in the basement mm. yeah. next yeah. to the boiler room. So yeah. you've got all these pipes going yeah. along. <laughs> and we set all the equipment up. I think we were the ones who persuaded them that they should have a have rehearsal a room. Have a little room downstairs. So we said, oh, Brian said, right, we, you know, come together. Yeah, I can do that. Dum, 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 dum. Off we go. And she just came in and it was like was magic. That where my... So I had some contacts in London in Kings Road at um, one of the pubs there. And we got Greenford pub and then we got the Brighton pub and then we got this um, new, new boutique Disco nightclub opened in Catford oh, on, yeah. on One Way System, and we were the opening band. Oh right! But we played at um, a hotel in um, next to Liverpool Street Station for some business people. Mm-hmm. And this is when the famous thing that we all started off with a song. And then Kate used to come on with a floaty dress and do all that before she started singing. And all the blokes that began started sat up and looked and they thought she was a stripper (laughs) (laughs) so um, yeah a few other places Mm. we played that was very strange Brighton it was a bit strange down there the ship was there one um, in Putney that was full of sailors that uh, yeah well the the famous one the famous the day England played Scotland at Wembley and Scotland beat and they all sat on the crossbar and broke yes. the crossbar. Yeah, and, yeah. All, that was a and we were one, playing yeah. at the Railway Tavern in Putney. Yeah, mm. yeah. Not the Half Moon. And we were playing <laughs> at the Railway Tavern. Another mistake. <laughs> in, in, in the evening, um, pub got packed and packed with Scottish, Scottish people. Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were whiskey bottles and everything. We started playing and they loved it. Yeah. And they come on stage <laughs> and Kate said, oh, but I said, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. Push a few off. Yeah, no, and then, and then like suddenly, that. during one of the songs, we had uh, Lisa and Rob put the dry ice machine on, 
which was only a big gloves to put the block of ice in. And it was either on or off. And suddenly, all this smoke filled the place. So I believe in, during, the, during the gig we set the fire alarms off. Yeah. And then all pandemonium of whiskey bottles being thrown at one another for drinking. I yeah. think Kate might have had a swig, not certain. <laughs> it was just heads down, just playing, see you yeah. at the end. <laughs> have you had bad experiences? Yeah, a couple in the pubs actually, because sometimes you get audiences that you can't predict. And one particular night we were in Putney um, on the eve of the football match between Scotland and England and all the Scottish guys were in there. And they were mad, they were just mad. They had flags waving everywhere. They, no one could see the stage because all the guys were getting up on the stage, you know, and putting their arms around you. And it was a bit hard to keep singing when everyone was like getting up on stage and poking sticks in your eye. But uh, they were good, they were good people. So by this time, Kate had moved to a flat in Wickham Road, Broccoli, where we stand now. Yeah. Uh, outside number 44. She took a flat between her two brothers' flats. I'm a little bit disappointed there's no plaque commemorating yeah. it. Because uh, this, for me, is the mecca of our Kate day. Is it? This is where she wrote Wuthering Heights. Yeah. One night in March 1977, and she, as she herself retells, she recalls getting uh, complaints from neighbours. Uh, shrieking. Hardly surprising because she was uh, playing all night with the windows open. Right. Did she need a bit of air? Staring out at the moon. I just yeah. think she liked the moon coming up, and you know, that's the sort of person she was, isn't it? Kooky. Kate, yeah. Yeah, kooky. The piano is my instrument, that's the one I really play. Do you write your songs on, pia on the piano? Always, always with piano. I've never written a song without the piano. We write songs together. Yeah, he's my partner. <laughs> and it was here that um, Vicom Bryan, who we heard from earlier, would go to hang out after their shows mm. uh, and after rehearsals. And uh, as Vic told us, Kate would cook them all spag bolt. So would you well go around to Wickham after <laughs> rehearsals or just yeah, for dinner or something? Or, yeah. or before? I, had, or I used to, I used to have this um, recorder, um, it was a portable reel-to-reel uh, yeah. -reel tape yeah. recorder and uh, I used to record everything so I think we used to go back and used to listen to what we'd done, what yeah. the gig was like. Yeah. So, um, the first album was due for release in 1978 and it was going to feature two tracks from the original three-track demo um, that they did, uh, Kate did with David Gilmore, including The Man with the Child in His Eyes and the saxophone song, mm. meaning both these songs were written before Kate was 15. That's amazing. Uh, and yep. David Gilmore is credited as a producer on both those tracks. Uh, but before that... You may recall Wuthering Heights was released, a single from the album, uh, and it was a hit, and it made Kate the first woman to reach number one on the UK charts with a self-written song. Yeah. Um, but before it was a hit, as we heard from the uh, from Vic and Brian earlier, it was all hands to the pump, wasn't it? The yeah. night it was released, she got a call saying they're playing Wuthering on, and I was there. Uh, flat in Wickham Road, right? And uh, we all sat around the radio, yeah. 
and uh, it came on and it was like wow mm. great and Kate yeah. was over the moon it's great Pushy, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. and then uh, I used to go to the farm every day you know parents place my mum would say Brian have you phoned up Capital Radio because you, you phoned in and voted what song you wanted to hear mm, mm, I said well I've just done it at my place you know I, I was I phoned up at my place <laughs> Kate uh, played Wobbly Nights please you know Capital Radio <laughs> got to the farm Brian if you don't I will phone them up again so I'd phone them up and every time anyone come to the farm it would yeah. have to check with the mother <laughs> whether they'd phoned in Capital and for the right, playlist right. So, so this is the parents kept getting their own cake. It kept yeah. going up and up and everyone was playing it playing it playing it and, and then it just spread all over the country yeah, you know yeah. So, yeah, uh, Wuthering Heights went to number one. The Kick Inside album followed, also went to number one. Quite a remarkable achievement. Uh, you know, a girl from South East London had gone from nothing to number one and go on, would go on to become one of the most influential artists in, in music, popular music history. Um, so it's interesting that at this, at this time, 1977, punk was erupting around the UK for a yeah. certain level of folk I guess but yeah. uh, for Kate she very much had a sort of tunnel vision about her art rock and stayed true to her influences at the time yeah and she'd been write, songwriting for a long time by yeah, then. even yeah. by the time she was 17 she'd been at it for six years yeah and, uh, she cites she David Bowie doesn't she and Elton John and uh, even Cliff Richard Roxy Music yeah Billy right. Holiday as well yeah yeah mm. um, so yeah, she stayed true to her vision, um, and then nineteen seventy nine came the big tour, mm. uh, the tour of life, mm-hmm. um, when they decided to tour the, this album and the following album, um, and they rehearsed at Wolf Studios in Greenwich. Yeah, and uh, then she retired for thirty five years, which <laughs> I've from, always from very much liked about her. <laughs> yeah. It's retired a, from live performance. Uh, retired from live performance for 35 years, which, I, which is very deserter. It makes her very much like us, except we didn't go on to release Grammy Award-winning music. No, yet. not yet. No. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> Thank you very much to Vic King and Brian Bath oh. for talking to us um, about their memories of the original KT Bush Band. In fact, the KT Bush Band are touring now, um, featuring the quite amazing Sally Ann Hurst on vocals. We saw them, and they're yeah, great, they aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. We saw them at Eltham. It was a bit of a homecoming show. It was, yeah. Pop Hope Theatre. The Pop Hope Theatre. Um, and they're, they're playing uh, around the country. All the info, if you want to catch them, and I recommend you do, is on thektbushband.com. And it's also on brianbath.com, uh, which we'll link to from our podcast page uh-huh. when it's up. Uh, well, there we go. This is, to, yeah, it's just amazing to be here. The centerpiece of our Kate journey, I believe. So, uh, are you going to press the buzzer then? No. Why? Well, to see, see if she's in. How's she going to be in? <laughs> she moved out in the 80s. If you don't try, how are you going to find out? one then oh uh, hi yes hello yes uh, we're wondering is Kate in perhaps Kate Bush the singer alright yeah come in you mean she's in 
I beg your pardon? I'm Kate Bush. Come in. Let's fall around right song. <laughs> There's no way I'm going in there. <laughs> Me neither. Not even for journalism. Pint? Pint. We were going to go head off to the Wicker Miles, weren't we? But it's been closed till three. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, we fired up the Go Out London app, which tells us that we're near the Broccoli Barge, Broccoli Spoons. Okay. Um, no special deals on there, so we'll have to settle for some Brexit-flavoured lager and a couple of bottles of Welsh champagne. But we'll live. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long have we got till the Wicker Miles opens? Half an hour. I could make it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you prefer to wait in the Wickham Arms car Outside park? Outside the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then go to the Broccoli Barge Spoons? In a way, yes. <laughs> okay. Join us in half an hour <laughs> for Bum Dosser and what we call The Scene. Oh. It's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So here we are now, around uh, the corner from where Kate composed Wuthering Heights at the Wickham Arms. Yeah, it's difficult to believe that she wouldn't have popped in here with the boys at some point yes i'm sure she would have done yeah i mean and it's i mean what a pub it's a, it, a really residential area you just yeah uh, and yet it's a huge pub elevated crossroad position yeah i mean we loved it last time we were here and we feared the worst for it didn't we but yeah. it's still here still here lots of broccoli ales on yeah and uh, we're just uh, sitting around on the front deck doing fuck all. Yeah. You're a bomb dosser. You had a, somebody sent one in to you. Yes, they did. I won't say who it is because I think that's the nature of bomb dosser. Let me read it to you. Okay. Um, I work with a mate of mine at Christian Salverson Fruit and Veg Packing near King's Lynn. 12 hour shifts picking crap out of the conveyor belt in the broccoli line, <laughs> including broken wood with nails and dead squirrels. All, while, all surrounded by the pungent smell of boiled broccoli mm. and being shouted at by men with white hats telling us that we didn't know what the hell we were doing, which, to be fair, we didn't. <laughs> then one day we were asked to build a flat pack, uh, build flat pack boxes in a damp but quiet rear shed for the evening shift. At first this tedious task took ten minutes a box, but we soon got it down to seconds. We then built so many we didn't know what to do with them, so we piled them up. No one seemed to comfort them, but they vanished overnight, ready for the new lot the next day. And after a day or two, we'd become so quick we realised that we could knock out enough boxes to actually build a four-walled castle, completely concealing us inside. We did this every day for the next month. It took us one hour to build the required castle framework of boxes, after which we spent the rest of the day smoking fags and playing cards. <laughs> You're a bomb dosser. You heard about someone who uh, volunteered for the RNLI. That's right, yeah, this is one for people on the coast if they want to try it. Yeah, if you have an RNLI station nearby, sign up as crew. Uh, then whenever your bleeper goes off, you have to leg it down to the launch station. I mean, no one's going to stop you doing that if, you, if, you, Absolutely, if yeah. you're on that gig. Uh, and have a pint on the way to settle your nerves. Uh, you'll then have missed the launch and have to return to the pub to console yourself with one. And then you arrive back in work just in time to knock off badly shaken. <laughs> and another, uh, well, nautical one. Yeah. Uh, that I saw on Reddit, I believe. Um, it was about a, uh, it was an American ship. It was about an American officer. Uh, he, he'd come down to the mess, I guess it is, badly hung over. And uh, the sun, if the sun was in his eyes, he would get on his phone and ring the bridge and get them to turn the ship by 15 degrees 
so that he could eat his bagel without the sun in his eyes. <laughs> You're a bomb-dosser. Do send us your tales of similar achievements and uh, we shall uh, relate them to the world and elsewhere. Um, now then... Uh, Social media scene. Social media scene. Social media scene. Everyone's talking about it. What is it? <laughs> What's happening on the social media scene, Raider? I found this thing that made me chuckle about um, cannabis potency uh, through through the decades. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a thread by Dana Larson, um, who wrote that... Um, the US Surgeon General says that cannabis is now three times stronger than it was in the 90s. I mean, you must have heard this. Yeah, of course. This ain't your mother's marijuana, yeah. says um, Dr. Jerome Adams. It's much more potent than in days past. Uh, to which Dana thought, well, it sounds like the weed they smoked in the 90s must have been pretty weak. Mm. Um, let's see what they were saying about the marijuana potency then. In 1995... U.S. drug czar Lee Brown told media that marijuana is 40 times more potent today than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite exact, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so goes on Dana. The 1980s cannabis must have been rubbish. Mm. Uh, let's see really? what they were saying about it. Quote, the potency of marijuana has increased sevenfold in the past 11 years, wrote the <laughs> National Institute of Drug Abuse in 1986. Smoking one marijuana cigarette now is equivalent to smoking seven cigarettes nine or ten or eleven years ago. <laughs> so, goes on Dana, if the uh, cannabis now is three times stronger than the stuff in the 90s, which was 40 times stronger than the stuff in the 80s, which, the, which was seven times stronger than the stuff in 1975, we can only assume that the weed in the 70s was pretty weak. Awful. Absolutely. In 1975, they said that weed was 20 times stronger than in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not what it used to be. The potency is 20 times stronger than our 1960s variety, wrote Paul Harvey at the time. So, thought Dana, if we take all this at face value, then compared to the cannabis of the 1960s, our modern weed is about three times 40 times seven times 15 times stronger, which no makes one modern joint equivalent to 12,600 <laughs> joints of the 1960s variety. And I just happen to have that one joint here. <laughs> uh, before we smoke it, uh, there was one uh, that caught my eye, caught a lot of people's eyes actually, from uh, the Charlton Police. Oh, yeah. Uh, they posted, uh, they tweeted, conducting, conducted a licensing visit with Greenwich licensing team this morning to an off-license. Found a quantity of M&S and Co-op branded alcohol on sale. Naughty. The store owner was drunk and had also soiled himself. I mean, yeah. Welcome to South London. Yeah. Uh, one wag uh, responded to that saying, is he single though? <laughs> that was uh, Dirty South. Dirty South, that sounds familiar, it's like a local pub. <laughs> and um, UK pub bitch said, uh, Greenwich has so much more to offer than the, the Royal Observatory. <laughs> and uh, uh, Tom in France said, uh, I wasn't drunk and that wasn't soil. <laughs> <laughs> and that, oh, and you, you saw something else, didn't you? I did, I've been enjoying uh, Rob Manuel's um, latest uh, internet yeah. the fess hole yeah, a, a hole of confession where you can go and anonymously um, talk about things that you feel a little bit guilty about um, mm. 
a lovely mashup of a you know anonymous Google Doc form and uh, sort of a moderated Twitter feed. Um, it's based, uh, it says, in the Vatican City. <laughs> and uh, the great thing is, you can actually read all the confessions, even the ones he, he hasn't moderated. But yeah. um, he does, he does. It is worth probably just following the moderated one, mm. one for a bit because there seems to be an awful lot of them about wanking. Mm. And um, but you know, generally there's all sorts, funny and sad, including it struck me plenty of bondosas. Oh yeah, there was one uh, I enjoyed. Uh, he wrote, uh, or indeed she. I'm a journalist who was made redundant from my job almost three years ago. I'm still on PR lists and have had about 50 grand's worth of global travel, five-star hotels and expenses in that time. I've not written a published word since 2017. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and another um, little quickie. Sometimes I buy adult diapers and use them at home instead of the toilet when I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's going that's going that's, the extra mile yeah um i also enjoyed uh i had a fracture of the leg and was told to use crutches for 12 weeks it's cleared up now it doesn't really hurt um but every day i've got a seat on the packed train so now even though i can walk i put on a limp and use the crutch so i can sit down and play fifa on my phone <laughs> and there's uh one i thought it could have been from the corporate deserter almost um they wrote, I've made a living out of doing as little as possible for 30 years in a huge global company. I literally get paid for sitting on my ass, mortgage paid, and I'm sat on a huge cash savings too. It's a hard life, but someone has to do it. Is that sounds like Osman. It does, totally, yeah. Probably is him. Yeah, exactly. Did you have one you wanted to read? I've got another one here. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, the one I saw was, uh, working late one night, discovered the chocolate bars in the vending machine had been incorrectly programmed as 7p each instead of 70p each. Spent £4 and cleared most of the vending machine out of twirls. <laughs> That's living all right. <laughs> well, I suspect that is all we've got time for. Yeah. We've probably run well over, haven't we? Yeah. Um, we did just want to say thank you to a couple of people. Yeah. Who um, are they? Well, definitely to uh, Brian and Vic from the Katie Bush Band. Yes. And Sally Ann Hurst as well for setting up that meeting and coming along. Indeed. And um, also, uh, thank you to our new sponsor. Go Out London. Go Out London, uh, in partnership with London Carriages. We'll be, we'll be having lots more fun with them over the course of the series, won't we? We will. We using will. Using their carriage service yes, we to will. get between pubs. Yes, indeed. It's, it's, it's such a natural fit, isn't it, for the lazy pub lover? <laughs> indeed. And I'd like um, to say uh, uh, farewell to Rooster Cosby as well. A yeah. lovely guy and uh, apparently a very good drummer. Yeah, and likewise, R.I.P. Ginger Baker. Mm-hmm. And thank you to you listening do give us a review on itunes it all counts yeah. apparently and send us your bum dosser tales and finally of course we'd like to thank kate who uh, i think it's fair to say we adore yeah thank you for the music thank you for the music we, we, we're both uh, massive fans aren't we i'm not sure we said that earlier on or even if it's become clear but we are what was your first kate Bush album or single uh, first single was probably the dreaming actually, which was like when she went off piste a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then first album would have been Hounds of Love. Yeah. yeah. Well, Satin Your Lap was on dreaming, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
I think I bought that as a single, that was 1982. So yeah, I was quite serious. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 